Welcome to Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us today for a Christmas message from Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 11, with Pastor John King. Come on in. Hey, it's just family. It's, all, it's okay. It's just family. <laughs> oh. There's just so much to do. There's always a big long list to complete. You know the drill, right? Cards to be mailed, parties to attend or host. Not to mention wrapping presents, decorating, catching up with friends, which is always nice. And of course, planning, one of the most important plans you make is your workout routine right after the holidays. (laughs) How are you going to get back to the gym? I promise. And all of these things are good, man. They're, They're fun. They're enjoyable. And through the years, they're very memorable. It's great to make memories together as a family, as a, you know, your personal family, those you're related to and those in your church family. Because of our Judeo-Christian heritage, most of us grew up with a long list of Christmas pasts and Christmas present. As I was studying the history of Advent, the first, Advent, the first coming of Jesus, I was reminded that on the night of Jesus' birth, It was the first sacred reflection, if you will, in the heart of his mother. You you guys know the scripture from Luke. It says, Luke 2.19, Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, what was she pondering? Well, you know how the story was. All the miraculous things. These are the things she put in her heart. All the miraculous things that had happened to her and through her from the visitation of the angel Gabriel announcing her immaculate conception. Her willingness to embrace God's call on her life, to her betrothed husband Joseph, who obeyed God's command to take her as a wife and to call the child's name Jesus, despite the risk of public shame. And then came the humble birth of Jesus in a cave in the neighborhood of Bethlehem, where he was placed in an animal's feeding trough because he had no room to stay at the inn. Mary would have known that the angel of the Lord had already come and announced to the Savior's birth to the shepherds living in the fields, directing them to go and visit the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes. And before they left, they were treated to a heavenly concert by thousands of angels. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill to men. These shepherds didn't keep this news a secret. Scripture says they made it widely known among the people in their region. And then they returned again to the manger. And they were glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. But Mary just kept to herself, caring for her little baby and reflecting on all these things that God had done. And this is a key application for each of us. You know, that's what we're here to do. That's what we should be doing as we prepare for his, you know, celebrate Christmas. It's a quiet time of reflection. It's a quiet time of counting your blessings and all the things that God's done in your life. Someone wrote that the truest Christmas observance is sacred and not secular. It's not about activities and shopping lists. It's all about attitude and eternal life. The hope of every heart was born in an obscure village to an obedient but obscure young woman. And the word she received from heaven's messenger began a process of reflection that culminated in the birth of the Messiah. 
For our scripture passage today, we're going to read from Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Your Bible probably says, if you go to Philippians 2, 5 through 11 in your Bible, it probably titles that section of scripture, The Humbled and Exalted Christ. Verse 5 reads this, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal to, with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself and be, became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every other name, that the name of Jesus every, name should, every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, the glory of God the Father. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us this day to celebrate Normally we're here on Sunday and we're not really thinking about Christmas and we're not really thinking about your first coming. In fact, most of us are probably hoping and praying about your second coming. But Lord, you've set this time aside. In your, in your providence, you knew the dates and how they would line up. And so Lord, we just want to give honor to you and we, as we reflect, as Mary did, reflect on the great things that Jesus came to do, what he truly set out to do and what he truly accomplished. And may what, be what he desires in our hearts be what he accomplishes as well for salvation unto you. So Lord, we just thank you for this time this morning. And we ask that you go before us now. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. So we often hear another phrase, right? It's time to put Christ back into Christmas. You hear that often. And so that's what we're going to do. Who is this one that we have come to celebrate? First of all, in verse 5, we see that Jesus Christ is the supreme example of humility. And the writer says this, Let this mind be in you. And this speaks of our attitude. We are to have the same humble attitude that Jesus had. Now consider the alternative to a humble attitude. The alternative would be that you and I were likely to be, have a uh, grumbler's attitude. There's enough selfishness and greed and death and despair in the world that to make that grumbler's attitude a full-time description of our character. And the older we get, the uglier it looks. But to have a humble heart, to let our mind be changed, means effort on our part to place our mind in a particular direction. You see, we know f by faith in Christ and being led by the Holy Spirit and letting the mind of Christ come into us, that we play a role. It's an interactive role. It's not just we just sit there and wait for the Lord to do something. We're to put our mind in a particular direction wherever he's calling us, whether it's to obedience or in this case toward humility and lowliness. It's easy to get prideful and bitter in this time of year. Remember, if you change your mind, God will change your heart. We're learning that. Next, we see that Christ is the very nature of God. He's the giver of life who became the gift of life. The creator of the universe. The one who gave us life 
is the gift of life. Who being in the form of God, some translations would read, he already existed in the form of God. And this is very important for our so-called theology, our understanding, our doctrine, and our faith. We need to understand the things about God that are important, about Jesus that are important. And so he says, being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. The use of that word robbery in the Greek means to snatch up, to take away, to grab a hold of greedily. It's important to understand that the phrase form of God does not mean he was somehow dressed up in the image of God. Jesus was, is, always will be his true nature. He is, the, he is God the Son. He is co-equal with the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Jesus isn't like God. He is God. He did not just achieve a high level of righteousness when on earth, but he was the very embodiment of righteousness. He didn't just walk more perfectly than other, any other men walk. He was the very picture of perfection. He sinned not. Jesus did not become God while he was here on the earth. He's been God throughout all of eternity. To say not considering it robbery is that he is co-equal in the Trinity. It wasn't as though he had just somehow snatched up a prize. He already was God. He was, and we're, he was in his perfection of heaven. Think about it this way. He had to put off his heavenly robes and his garments and all the glory that he had with the Father. And he had to obediently become a human and come to this earth. He could have just said, well, I want to stay here in paradise with you, Father. I just want to be here forever. But because there was only one way to make things right with us, he humbled himself. But that didn't change the fact that he's God. Just because he became a human. He is both God and man. Fully God and man. And notice it says that Christ, in verse 7, emptied himself and became a man. So the prince of peace became a pauper for us. And he made himself of no reputation. This word, no reputation, this phrase means basically to make somebody empty. Not by removing his divine nature, but he emptied himself of the privilege of only being glorified in heaven for a time, for a season, so that he could pay the price on our behalf. Matthew Henry, the, the great uh, old um, Puritan, he said, Jesus, he emptied himself, he divested himself of the honors and glories of the upper world and of his former appearance to clothe himself with the rags of human nature. Taking on the form of a bondservant, becoming a human, this is an incarnation, this is what we're, we're singing about. This is what we're thinking about, you know, baby Jesus coming. Beginning with this little baby in the manger. Now, unfortunately, to many in the world, many who don't normally attend church, they enjoy the Christmas season, they enjoy the, the holiday and just the wonderful time that it can be. But when they think of Christmas, they only think of this little baby. The connection between baby Jesus and grown-up Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, gets confused in the blur of activity and lights and vacation from work. And none of those things are bad. But the thought of a personal relationship with Jesus or surrendering your life to Him completely, well, let's not get carried away. 
Enjoy the eggnog. For some, James, for some, the whole point of Jesus' coming is lost. So today, some, perhaps many, think he just came to make our lives better. Just as the Jews expected the Messiah to come rescue them from the Romans. And while he certainly can and will make your life much, much better, the main purpose was to pay a ransom for your, your sins and my sins. That's the reason he came. Matthew 1.21 And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. That's why Jesus came. You guys know that. But we need a reminder of that. Sometimes we need to get our heads wrapped around the truth and just enjoy the awe and the splendor of who he is. You see, the scripture always takes us very quickly from his infancy to the real reason that he came. Christ humbled himself to the point of utter humiliation. The sinless one died a sinner's death. Verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man. Again, we're his, his incarnation. Through the incarnation, writes one, it made it so that God was accessible to our human senses. He accomplished the plan of redemption on the cross and offered salvation to humanity. Now, so important is this doctrine. You know, the early church struggled with it because of false teachers and false understandings. And so important was this doctrine that in 451 AD, this incarnation became known as, quote, the hypostatic union the hypostatic union is the term used to describe how God the Son, Jesus Christ, took on human nature, yet remained fully God at the same time. And according to the definition of Chalcedon, these ancient creeds and, and statements, it says that Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten before all the ages and of one substance with the Father, was made flesh through the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, making him truly God and truly human, possessing two natures which are not confused, changed, divided, or separated. So that's important for us. That's important for our understanding to realize this one that we worship is God. But he's condescended to us and he made himself as a man so that we could, he could relate to us. He could know all of our temptations. He could know all of our struggles. He could know everything that we're faced with in life and have compassion and grace and mercy upon us. And so he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death. And so great and so far was this step from his exalted existence in heaven down to the earth that scholars and theologians refer to this not as the humility of Christ, but the humiliation of Christ. And if you get that, you know, if you can start to get that a little bit, if I can start to understand that a little bit, that so great was that step that he took down to this earth, I think we'll be in a better place. We'll learn about humility a lot better. Even death on the cross... Now, he willingly allowed men to kill him. He became sin and embraced all the sin of the world. He died for our sins. 
in Jewish tradition to be hung on a tree and later a cross because it was made of wood was a sign of God's disapproval. Galatians, uh, we see it, Galatians 3.13. In the Roman Empire, the cross served as a symbol of Roman power and authority. A person who was crucified was considered a threat to the empire. Christ's death turned the cross, a symbol of judgment and rebellion, into an instrument of God's power to liberate. 1 Corinthians 1.18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us, but to you, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It is the power of God. So Jesus humbled himself. He stooped down lower than all of mankind. He assigned himself to the lowest rank, defeating sin and death. And because of that, look at verse 9. Christ was rewarded and highly exalted by God. Therefore God highly exalted him, given the name which is above every other name, and we talked, we're talking about this in Ephesians, that lofty place at the highest point above all the heavens where we have a seat, where we will share with the Lord. Because of Jesus' obedient, self-emptying death on the cross, God exalted him to the highest place of honor. Verse 10, that, those on, uh, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. This implies that God instilled the name Jesus with the highest honor when he, God the Father, exalted Christ. Even though Jesus' name is presently being blasphemed all around the world, being used in vain, some of us were guilty of that. His name is being cursed all around the world. I mean, Christmas is fun, okay, in our, in our culture. His church loves his name. You love his name. You love the name of Jesus. This is the name that forgives sins, the name that gives access to God's presence. And one day he will return. Revelation 15, 4. Who shall not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name? For you alone are holy, for all nations shall come and worship before you, for your judgments have been manifested. It all comes to an end. And God gets all power and he gets all authority and all the glory. He is destined that every knee will bow before Christ. And verse 11, every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Isaiah 45, 23. I have sworn by myself. The word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness and shall not return that to me every knee shall bow and every tongue shall take an oath. I don't know how your Christmas season has gone. I mean, I, I hope and pray that it's been a wonderful time. I've talked to many of you. You've had a great season of Christmas and, and you've had a lot of joy in your life. But I know a person who suddenly lost his wife eight days before Christmas. I know another who lost, he just stepped down from pastoral ministry over 20 years. I mean, his, his life right now it seems like a train wreck. But I have no doubt in my mind that these two men can still 
and do reflect on the things that describe the person and the work of Jesus Christ. The promise of seeing their loved ones again in heaven and the promise of hope for a new dawn and a new work to be done in his name. And that's where we can come in. We, we can reflect on that. Yep. You can have that time alone with, you, with the Lord. You may have already done so. It's been 2,000 years since Mary sat and pondered the marvelous works of God. Hopefully, you've had a chance to do the same. To reflect on all the things that describe the person and the work of Jesus Christ in your own life. As we get ready to take communion... Let's take a minute to reflect on these things. Maybe dim the lights. And Lord, we just uh, we thank you for your loving kindness. We thank you, Lord, that you have indeed done all the things we declare from your word. And sometimes, Lord, forgive us because our minds can't get wrapped around it. We may be able to say things in our mind, but our hearts are not yet there. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray for this short time of reflection before you as we get, get, our, get ready to take communion together. I just ask, Lord God, that you would speak to each and every heart that's here and everyone that hears this message, whether you're near or far, I pray that the Lord will speak to your heart today that would cause you to humbly reflect on all the great things he's done in your life. And if, for those who hear this message, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, what are you waiting for? What's stopping you from taking the burden of your sin off of your shoulders and letting it rest on Christ? What's stopping you from repenting and coming before him and asking him to be the Lord of your life, to be your Savior for all of eternity. What better day would it be than to come to Christ on Christmas Day? What a Christmas gift that would be. So Lord, we just ask that you would go before each and every person here. We ask that you would just bless our fellowship time, the short time that we have left today the sweet blessing of fellowship and understanding for all the great things that you've done. And we pray this all in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said. As James is singing this final song, you're welcome to come up and take communion and return back to your seats. of love as calling There's a chair that waits for you And a friend who understands everything you're going through Standing at a distance In the shadows of your shame 
There's a light of hope that's shining Won't you come and take your place So bring it all to the table It's nothing he ain't seen before No, all your sin, all your sorrow and your sadness there's a Savior and He calls, bring it all to the table. He can see the way you carry, and the fear that holds your heart. Accepted as you are. So bring it all to the table. It's nothing he ain't seen before. No, all your trials, all your worries, and your burdens. There's a savior and he calls. Bring it all. Key understanding for us at uh, communion time is to look back at what he did, and we've talked about that today. But we also need to look ahead until he comes. 1 Corinthians 11:26 says, For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. We're also reminded to look within our own hearts. 27 through 29 says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks of this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Lord, we thank you for what you've done and we come before you now and we receive these elements, these symbols of your broken body and your shed blood on our behalf. we come to partake of the symbol of the wine we see that as a symbol of the new covenant that you've given us the new life we have in you and Lord we've taken a, taken a very quick snapshot of you if you will of all the things you did from the time you came until the time that you gave this time of uh, communion to us before your death on the cross and so, Lord, we thank you for the great sacrifice, the fact that you willingly submitted your life and you laid it down for us yes. as we take of the cup. So, Lord, we 
close our service today with gratitude in our hearts thanking you once again for all that you've done and Lord I want to pray a, pray a blessing on every family that's represented here and all those who attend and consider Calvary Chapel of Elizabeth City to be their home church I pray Lord God that you would be, go before each family only you know all the struggles and the needs that they have but we lift them up to you. I lift them up to you now and ask for your blessing to be upon them. And as this year draws to a close, Lord God, we can look back and reflect on the great things that you've done and the things that you're still doing in our hearts. So we ask, Lord, that you go before us now. Let us be a help and let us be a useful instrument of you for those around us. We pray this now in Jesus' precious name and all God's children said, Amen. You guys have a wonderful Christmas day. Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible, book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless.